Association. 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 That was such uber ponage. Hello, fellow nerds. Welcome to the Nerd Association podcast. I'm your host, Mark Finch, and I've got a special guest today. You've heard her on here before. JLo, Jennifer Lopez, Jennifer Finch, my wife. She's here, and we're going to change up the format a little bit. We're not going to do a what do you think of when I say, because we've got a few things that we want to cover here. So first off, Jen, how are you doing today? You know what? It's been a day. I had the rude awakening that I've been sleeping next to a stranger for the last two years. Who is that stranger? Our dog. She's a German shepherd. I think. We've been telling everybody she's a lab for two years. That's what they told us when we got her. Anyway. It's a lie. The DNA, the DNA, I feel like Mari, the DNA results are in and the lab is not the father. (laughs) Essentially. (laughs) That's kind of what happened. Yep. So I've been spiraling most of the day, but um, I'm really excited to do this. Now, what if I told you we could invent an AI robot dog that would learn to be whatever you wanted it to be? And what if I told you it wasn't a dog? It was actually like a four foot tall girl. Yeah. I guess so. I, I don't know what to say to that. <laughs> There's our segue into our first topic today. So we went and saw Megan because when we saw the trailer for Megan, we were like, I'm not sure that this movie's going to be good, but I'm pretty sure that it's going to be something. So we decided to. Head out to the theater. It doesn't need the theater experience, but we did it anyways. Yeah. And uh, I would say because I went in with low expectations, but just kind of expecting something kind of fun, I think it hit the expectations for the most part. First of all. It's not a good movie. First of all, the movie was $5 each of us. So ten thirty nine with tax. You can't beat it. So go see it in the theater. If you do, go see it on one of those like coupon cheap days. But we saw it before it actually came out. It was usually they'll have like the Thursday or Wednesday night before. Right. But we saw it on a Tuesday. Yeah. Uh, so we, we were walking in. It was Tuesday, January 10th. And then I looked at the, the sign for the movie, Megan. It says premieres January 13th. And I was like, how does, so we as how does a, that work? We as a society need to gather and decide what we're what we're classifying as a release date for movies now. They don't mean anything it, They anymore. don't mean anything. They don't mean anything. No. So, yeah, we saw it technically three days early. It wasn't a special midnight release. It wasn't some sort of promotional event or anything. We just went to a theater and saw it. And apparently people also thought they could bring their crying children and it would run around the theater to it as well. I mean, I understand if you're going to a G-rated or even a PG movie that, like, yeah, that's the risk you run. Like, I'm not going to complain if there are children who aren't quite paying attention to the movie and maybe making some noise if I'm going to see Frozen. But this movie's PG-13. You would expect just... I don't get it. This is like the third time it's happened in a row. That is another thing that we as a society need to decide once again. Post-pandemic, everyone forgot how to act in public. And that just carried over into the movie setting. Uh, I've seen people using their phone, just like blatantly using their phones, getting up, walking 15 times in front of the screen. Like have somebody answer their phone. Yes, we sure did. Mark or the, Oh, the other one that stands out to me is 
this couple that was talking the entire time. And then at one point, the girl just goes, what time is it? And the guy pulls out his phone and looks at the time. And like, this is, I'm not saying like they're whispering to each other and we can barely hear them. This is just people having a normal level conversation. And one of her, she just goes, what time is it? Full blown convo. The, in the Megan movie, the Meg, the Megan, whatever, shark, woman, doll. Anyway, um, (laughs) the kid started just crying and she did not, get up and take the kid out she just told the kid to shush a bunch of times <laughs> it, the kid did not shush it was no it was like crying high high frequency cries it wasn't quite a baby maybe toddler ish age which but... like there are jump scares that don't get us but will get a three-year-old there was definitely a preview i think it was the evil dead preview that new evil dead yeah. movie that's coming out that like the kids were clearly scared at that's when that was one of the times that the kids started crying yeah because that was a scary trailer because the trailers before the movie, Megan, because PG-13, were made for that audience. I respect your choice to have kids. You can just go ahead and put the explicit tag on this right now. Get the fuck up and walk your kid out of the theater. Respect other people. Okay. Also, no offense. It's Megan. You're not missing much. You get it. You'll, you'll, <laughs> I think you'll be able to follow when they come back. Wait. She's a robot. Is that what you're worried about? That you're gonna you're gonna forget what's going on? The character arc of the robot, <laughs> the he, evil robot. Did she have a character arc? She, I guess she she got evil as she learned. Yeah, basically she, the, she arced down. The spoiler alert territory, I suppose, for Megan at this point. Um, but I think you probably could have guessed this. So uh, a girl's parents die, and she goes to live with her aunt. Sad. Um, yes, the parents kind of deserved to die. They were stupid. Nah, nah. Well, <laughs> didn't deserve to die, but they were dumb. They were pretty dumb. No, parents. they were they were really bad at what they were trying to do, which was go to like some ski resort in the middle of like a snowstorm. And the at one point, the wife says, "We should have put chains." On the tires, which one, like, nobody really does that anymore unless you, like, live in Canada or, like, way up north. But the other one is, then the guy goes, I just, just like you, just learned that was a thing, like, 15 minutes ago. And it's like, wait, you guys have never even heard of chains on tires? Like, <laughs> that, like I mean, it's a thing people say. I'm not saying it's a thing people do. Also, they set it up like they were going to, like, like, veer off the road and slide or skid. No, they just get bulldozed by this huge snowplow truck. They just pull over in the road, yeah, and the snowplow just runs right through The them. chains would not have helped that yeah, situation. True. It wouldn't have mattered. They would have been hit by this snowplow. What is the... There's no follow-up to that snowplow, man. Was no. He, is that just, ah, just doing my job? They shouldn't have been stopped there. Yeah, indicted, charged. No, nothing. Nothing. So that's the first scene of the movie. The girl goes to live with her aunt, who is not ready to be taking care of a child who's, uh, what, 10 years old-ish? Somewhere in that range. The aunt is not 10. No, the kid. Oh, yeah. She's like 8 to 10, yeah. Yeah. Um, I would say 8, probably. And so the the aunt, Gemma, works for Hi, my name is Gemma. She works for a, uh, a toy company, but like an electronic toy company that specializes in trying to make interactive toys and so the the big one is essentially like it's a physical tamagotchi that also exists on your ipad and you can feed it and it poops if you feed it too much <laughs> no it's not a tamagotchi it's, it's essentially like a, a tamagotchi it's like a furby it's like a is furby what it looks like with tamagotchi software on your ipad how's that is that a good fair whatever um, but they, they want to do the next best thing. So she's kind of going rogue and she's trying to invent this robot that is an AI robot that would help nurture a child, essentially, be more than a doll. It, part of the family is one of the taglines mm-hmm. 
for Megan. Um, and she is finally fully inspired, even though her boss is trying to shut it down because he's just like, just make the, the new one of the toy that it's already selling because our competitors are catching up to us. But she decides to go even more rogue and invent this Megan doll and introduce it to her already traumatized yeah. ne- uh, niece. So not a, not a great move. But then the biggest problem with it is the prime directive is take care of the girl, uh, Katie. Take yeah. care of Katie. And the robot, as it learns more, goes way too far with that. Yeah. Well, like, and as the movie continues and... Like, when we meet the aunt, like, she's... At first, you think she's just, like, a busy person. Like, because she doesn't have any kids. She doesn't have a significant other. Like, her life is her work. And you think that that's, like... You know, that's kind of, like, what's holding her back. But, like, she just... If only she could be sent to a small town around Christmas time. And she could meet a strapping young man. That's a different... (laughs) That's a different podcast. Oh, okay. So, the problem with her is that she just should not be a caregiver like to anyone but herself maybe not even herself like she she should just not who like the sister okay so at one point the therapist asked like were you close with your sister and she's like she doesn't really answer the question i guess yeah she doesn't really answer the question she's just like this is what she wanted but like again i guess back to your point about them just being bad parents they should have known that she should just just gone with the grandparents to florida yeah, and the, well, they the way they first introduced that, I thought that the grandparents were going to be sort of adversarial, yeah. and like there might be a little bit of a custody battle or something. Um, but that's there's just they're really just mentioned once or twice. They're never on screen. She no. never talks to them. But it's pretty clear that she would have been a lot better off, um, and multiple people would yeah. have been a lot better off had uh, Katie yeah. never met Megan and everything went haywire. Yeah, from there, and it becomes. She, not yeah because even when she invents megan and like it's for katie it's really not it's no, for her yes it's abundantly clear again that she should not be a caregiver to this child because she basically the way that she ends up marketing this doll to her you know to her, the board of this mm. company is that it does all the work for you you don't have to teach this kid to do anything you don't have to basically parent this child right. it's like statistically 60 percent of parenting is just actually telling your kids what to do over and over again katie can do that for you she can also read the bedtime story megan. she can check her oh yeah katie's the the real girl yeah megan can do that for you she can read a bedtime story she d- teaches the girl science she teaches her about condensation yeah. in a fun way though she's kind of like bill nye the science guy yeah she's a robot um and yeah it's so it's like she invented a solution to a problem that she is taking on herself anyway and the therapist can see it the best friend to Gemma can see it that she is not getting it it is not working for her that maybe she needs to be prioritizing this traumatized eight-year-old's welfare over the selling of this toy and which, you know what? Yeah, so, like, again, back to the traumatized eight-year-old. Should not be the beta tester yes. for, like, world-changing AI technology. And that's, that's what I was going to say. Like, to be fair, she literally did just change the world. Like, Forget toys. This The technology she creates and the way this doll can interact with the world and how it can learn and everything... Why would we be selling that for children to play with? That could revolutionize everything. That's the problem with these sometimes in these tech movies is it's like, 
Forget your original goal. You just invented world-changing technology. Yeah. Dude, market that to adults, the military, whatever. Yeah. They're going to be great in the military. And we'll get into this later when we talk about like what repercussions should come of Gemma in light of this. But I did, right after, I likened it to Ultron and Tony Stark. And like, what responsibility does he hold over Ultron? Like wreaking havoc it's like they're not going to create the sokovia accord for Gemma and megan well and it would all depend too on and i wonder as ai keeps developing are we ever going to get to this point where like at a certain point is the ai responsible for itself and not yes. the creator of it because yeah. that was the big question at the end because the cops show up at the end and after they had finally taken down Megan, but she has killed four or five yes, people. Yes, who's a murderer on multiple accounts. And a dog, which, not cool, No, not Rothman, cool. no. But they, th- th- they're standing there in the front door, Katie and Gemma, as the cops are coming up, and it's like they're the... It's like they're the victims of this situation. Yeah. And yes, you were just in a life-or-death situation because of the killer robot doll, but you didn't buy a killer robot doll, and it went haywire. Yeah. Like in the new... In the new Child's Play, the 2019 yeah. Child's Play, where it's a me- that one does AI too, but it's like a somebody actually in the factory like resets its programming to be bad or like ha- not turn off when it's doing bad things. Um, this one though, you just invented and like you wrote the algorithm and everything. Like that, to me, that should be Gemma's fault, but I don't know where in one in the reality of the movie and in the reality of the real world. Like, where are we going to draw the line once AI becomes yeah. more and more of a thing? So, like... Like, he, AI can generate art now? What if yeah. it does something... What if it arts something that's defamatory? So, so like, here... Can you sue the AI? Hey, hey, shut up, shut up, shut up. Shut up. <laughs> Hear me out, hear me out. So, I'm stupid, right? This is not for me to solve. Instead of doing, like, a part... If they end up doing a sequel, instead of doing, like, what they do with the Child's Play movies where, like, Chucky gets a wife and all this weird stuff, toy stuff, more anarchy, they need to do, like, a serious drama a la Bicentennial Man where they go into, like, the morality of AI and, like, are you truly autonomous? Are you really a free-thinking entity? I want to see Megan repurposed, you know, re... uh refurbished and they sit her down and she's in like a an orange jumpsuit and has shackles on and yeah. she's like in prison this, yeah rehabilitated this doll is in prison yeah. and they're like they're, yeah they're questioning her and trying to figure it out i want to see that uh, and what would she go to normal prison would she go to some sort of prison for the criminally insane would she meet up with michael myers yeah. there's a team up we could have blumhouse makes the new halloween movies and as we know halloween ends but it doesn't really even westworld like they just shut them down so then they could do the whole maze thing again. For anyone who's seen Westworld, I think Mark and I were the only two people on planet Earth to, now you can't who watched that they, last season. Jettisoned it right off HBO Max. No more seasons. But anyway, great concept for a movie. I wanted it to go the extra where like I one of your favorite movies, Malignant. Where it just takes that extra step into zany. This movie did not do that for me. Yeah, well, I I think it was also a bit of a casualty of its own budget, which is pretty common with Blumhouse, especially their PG-13 yeah. fare. The, the idea is to spend not too much money, get it out there, teenagers go see it, and they make, a, they make a pretty nice profit off it. That's their model. It works for them. They make a lot of money. And then they sometimes... And they sometimes surprise you and make some really good movies. Yeah. This was not one of them. But like at the end, 
at the end they had the they had the unveiling event for Megan to say we're that we're launching this product and she kills the CEO and she kills the CEO's assistant and tries to frame it like they got into a fight and maybe killed each other and maybe people believe that but like the fun part there fun stay with me here because this movie's <laughs> silly it's supposed to be silly in my opinion I don't think it's supposed to be 100 percent serious but the fun part there would be this doll just goes on a complete spree of all the people at this event Mm -hmm. that something like that. And instead they go back to the house and it's just a two on one fight between Gemma, Katie, I guess it becomes three on one because Bruce, uh, the robot that Gemma made in college, which is much bigger, but not AI has to be controlled by somebody else. Um, that's how they take her down because it's, it's such a strong robot. But again, that's, that's pretty muted. And I think it's a function of its budget. But yeah, I really wanted more interactions of like people who don't understand that she's dangerous and that. And we only got really two scenes of that fully with the the kid, which was shocking. Yeah. When uh, Megan pushes a kid down a hill and then he gets hit by a car, which is something you don't see the kid body get hit by the car. But generally kid death is that front and center in a movie. And then the other one was when she did the dance, which was in the trailer. When she that like, scene right she kills that CEO. scene should have been seven seven minutes long, full cut down the hallway. No, I mean no cuts down the hallway of just the doll dancing. That would have been worth more money to me. Like yeah. I would I would have paid eight dollars a ticket instead of five dollars a ticket to see six and a half more minutes of that doll dancing. Uh, for people who don't know, and I was interested too, it's not actually a, a doll. They didn't invent this doll for this movie. It they didn't invent AI no, for Megan? So it is actually an actress. Uh, I forget her name. She's 18 years old. She's done like a lot of like Disney Channel type stuff. Short as hell. But yeah, very short. Um, and <laughs> I thought she did a pretty good job. I mean, I don't know how much was post-CGI versus how much was like makeup on her i think the eyes obviously have to be cgi but those yeah are, but i don't know how much she had to direct that like could was she still doing like the dead stares of it there's a very because it's a robot they uh really do a good job of like it's lifeless behind the eyes even though it is thinking with its yeah with its computer but there's yeah there's a there's a scariness to it that everybody who sees it and doesn't know what it is is like oh my god what what is that and uncanny like, valley it's, yeah it's just a toy don't worry well, like there, there are two things that the movie did actually very well. First is that the fact that it is a toy and there is like that blankness in the stare, but the viewer can tell what she's thinking. Like when she goes off with the kid at the park, she's like pissed off that she's even thinking about making new friends, like mm-hmm. stuff like that. Like when she, when she, yeah, she'll like give a little hell to head tilter you know and it'll, it'll tell you exactly what the doll is thinking without the doll having to do anything and it's super eerie and it's very effective and then also in that scene uh she runs on all fours which she only does in that she scene really but it's want. creepy and they should have done it more they sh- do more that's what i wanted i just wanted more right like yeah she's stronger than your average human because they for some reason had to make her with titanium and make her stronger than the average human. Um, I understand being stronger than a kid. Kids aren't strong at all. But, like, she's stronger than the adults. Yeah. Why would you invent a robot that does that for a kid's toy? That That's ridiculous. But they do it anyways. <laughs> and it's, I mean, it reminded me of Small Soldiers in that one. You mm. put munitions chips in toys? 
and then they go crazy. Major Chip Hazard, got to kill the Gorgonites. That's right. You're not a fan. Nope. So the second thing that I thought they did very effectively was the actual like, like the grief counseling with Megan. Like Megan as a counseling tool really is effective in that scene in a way that Gemma is not because Megan is present for Katie in a mm. way that Gemma has not been uh, since she, you know, after the accident. Um, and they do a really good job of like really explaining to the audience and to Gemma as like that our placeholder in the movie about like how kids like trauma and grief really like evolves and, and, uh, like how they attach to people, like the actual like science behind that, they do a really good job of that. Um, and yeah, it, like it, an imprinting after you yeah. lose a, a loved one, whether that be parents or anybody, but uh, just creating a new relationship in the hole where your old relationship, your used primary to be. relationship, mm-hmm. and why that's in this case dangerous for even if it was just a toy, like like just a toy that was not a killing robot. That would have been dangerous for her development. Yes. And like, even in that scene, like the the social worker therapist sees this. And like, they kind of play it off as a joke where like the board members start crying during that whole like observation scene. But like, it really is effective. Like you do feel for Katie. Like I, I was, yeah. And it kind of goes back to what I was getting at with the idea of whose responsibility is this? Like if you really break it down, like we are right now, you kind of get back to the point that Gemma's the villain. Gemma's bad. She's like a bad employee. She spends a bunch of fucking money that this company is like hemorrhaging, trying to like the first one just like blows up in the lab and then she does it anyway. She should have been fired. I guess they needed their lead toy designer and she's the tech girl and she knows what she's doing. Oh, like there aren't any more tech people in California. I don't understand that with all the resources that she has at the company, why it then is much easier for her to finish it all on her own. Yeah. At her house. Like she can't have as many resources there. I don't like they failed. And then a week later after she's been distracted, trying to take care of this new kid in her life, that she's all of a sudden ready to create it. And then she creates it too good. So she, so she's a bad employee. She's a bad guardian. She's a bad friend to her friends that work at the, uh, that work at the company with her. She's clearly not very good at the code she's trying to write. <laughs> it technically works, but then it became a killing machine. Then so it I would malfunctioned. Say that's, so that's an issue. And then you're bad at your job. So like, yeah. Send her to jail. I think someone needs to be, this is ultimate. I forget where this is from, but it's like, it always ends up where like someone needs to be responsible. Someone's going to prison. Where? What movie is that from? I don't know. Where they're talking and then it's like, well, blah, blah, blah. Oh, you're going to fucking hate me. It's National Treasure. <laughs> where at the end, they obviously like discover the treasure and stuff. And then he's talking to the Freemasons FBI guy. And he's like, well, someone's going to go to prison, Ben. In this case, the someone's going to go to prison, Ben, is Gemma. And I mean, also, there's not a ton of evidence that the doll did it. She could just say the doll did it. She destroyed the doll. The files are corrupted for what it did. I guess her friends in the lab can corroborate her story. But like, it feels like the murders are going to go on her. It it sure does feel like that. 
and maybe we actually will see what happens because they leave it open enough that there could be a sequel where her friends show up oh, with the yeah, cops. Oh, yeah, it's in the Alexa. Yeah, yeah, and you're right. Then it, So that's the thing is um, this operating system is somewhat somewhere, and she's going to try to find a, a new host, which that gets really child's play. Like Ultron. Is that what Ultron tries to do? Well, yeah, because they, well, so they make the original body for Ultron, and then it's all like, it's all, you know, they do the Avengers thing, but then it just like uploads stuff onto the internet and then it, you know, he creates his own body and then it becomes like super Ultron. Yeah. So it's a mix of Age of Ultron, Child's Play, and a Macaulay Culkin movie from the 90s called The Good Son, where nobody believes that the good son is doing bad things and that's Megan would be the good son. Justice for Katie. Justice for Katie, I, yeah. I mean, get that girl to Florida with her grandparents. Like, yeah, they, they also try to like play her off as like a little bratty and stuff. And it's like, yeah, but like really break down what she's been through. And then you give her this but robot doll that she loves and then you take it away from her. That's why I was saying it's so effective the stuff with like the, the grief counseling with her. That's why it works so well. And that's why it's even more glaring, glaringly obvious that Gemma is the primary bad person in the situation because she's just a kid that's been through this horrible, horrible event. What else is she going to do? So, yes, keep an eye out for Megan at next year's Oscars. (laughs) I'm sure it will (laughs) see a clean sweep of the nominations. No, probably not. Um, It. It's not as bad as some January movies can be, but it's definitely a movie that they were just like, yeah, here it is. I would watch it. But they did set it up for a sequel. Yeah. I I mean, I would recommend that people watch it just to say that you could watch it. But I would say you could probably wait for streaming. Yeah, yeah, yeah. At the end of the day. But a movie uh, as we pivot that we did wait for streaming, um, not because we didn't think it was going to be good, but get busy. And then all of a sudden you're on HBO Max one day and (laughs) there it is. Uh, Anya Taylor-Joy. Nicholas Holt? Yes, Nicholas Holt. John John Leguizamo and uh, Ralph Fiennes? Yes. In The Menu, uh, which is... This is a movie that um, does, a, I think, a great service with what was clearly a smaller budget. Yeah. Because it's, a, it's definitely got a, a brighter idea to it. I wouldn't say cerebral, but it has themes and things yeah. like that. It's not robot doll running around uh so i really enjoyed the menu i i was excited i mean we were looking around that one day oh what should we watch and then it was on there and we were like that one perfect that's yeah that's exactly what we're gonna do and i think they did a really good job in that one um of setting up the the characters in a way that's realistic where you don't exactly like them but they're not like oh these people should definitely get what's coming to yeah. them, even though that is what happens. But Anya Taylor-Joy might be in attendance by mistake. I suppose spoiler mode for Just the menu. It's spoilers just, for everything. Yeah, we always do spoilers. What's, <laughs> what's the point of not doing spoilers? It's more fun to talk about it that way. So brief synopsis of the menu. A group of people go to a an elite exclusive restaurant that is located on an island where Ralph Fiennes is the head chef there and he apparently makes the best food and they go there even though this time he's decided that his final hurrah i suppose will be that the people who he finds don't appreciate life enough will be killed along with him and his staff at the restaurant tonight yeah they're all um pretty 
pretty deplorable people and you like recognize that as soon as they get off the boat um this movie and glass onion kind of had that in common like before like we even get into like the meat of the movie you can kind of tell like all these people are like shitty rich people Mm -hmm. and we immediately dislike all of them yeah and they but like i was saying i think they do a really good job of balancing it with like it's not comically like the nicholas holt character is like a real douchebag yeah but like it's it's more in a way that like you're like well we've all kind of met that guy before yeah like he takes himself too seriously takes his thing too seriously he's the quote-unquote foodie of the group although he gets a little bit exposed of being just a fan uh later on even though he's pretty critical anyone who anyone who in a in a serious way calls himself a foodie post 2012 shot on site straight to jail straight to jail uh I mean, doesn't he call Anya Taylor-Joy's character a child at one point? Yes. Because she says, oh, we should just send it back. And he's like, what are you, a child? We cannot send it back at a restaurant like this. And it's like, <laughs> but, I guess. But that was after they had, like, 3D printed, like, these, like, these, like. Um, Tortillas. Yeah, with, like. Him taking pictures of the food, which, which was, was an explicit rule not to take pictures of the food. And she said, um, they're insulting you. And that's when every that's when everybody starts to realize that something's off with the with the menu tonight because he gets those ones that, yeah, are like calling him out for breaking one of the only rules they, they threw out there. And the other ones are like uh, pictures of infidelity with the older couple um they're calling out the the food critic by printing restaurants that she did bad reviews of that ended up closing the rich guys it's showing that they're embezzling or doing some sort of fraudulent thing with their money um john leguizamo's one is just the poster of a bad movie he was in he plays an actor in the movie uh and apparently the head chef did yeah. not care for this film. That's what I like most about this movie is that as you go on, it's not only the people that get off the boat that you find out are like deplorable, shitty people. It's also the head chef that is like irrationally um, angry at everyone in his life and is um, is really like overreacting. <laughs> like. <laughs> And it's like, if you want people to appreciate it more, then don't have a super exclusive restaurant that only serves eight people every few days on an island. Yeah. Like, that's his big thing is like, he doesn't, he doesn't feel like people appreciate or take stock in things anymore. Um, But I mean, it's for different reasons too, with all of them. Like, he also has a bone to pick sort of personally with all of them there is a little bit of a theme of them not being appreciative of like what's around them but also the like what the the married couple the older couple that guy is the one that's the clearest like doesn't appreciate the food he's just rich and keeps coming to this restaurant and he yeah he doesn't know how many times he's come doesn't know what he's eaten there the critic he just thinks it's too critical of the food in in a mean way also like blames him for like blames he blames her for his popularity like his rise to stardom and then consequently his miserable emotional downfall which like fuck you that you're like uh, but she 
They her character's really funny because not only is she like super pretentious food person, yeah. but then the guy she's with, and it's not a hundred percent clear exactly what their relationship is, but he um even though doesn't understand most of the ridiculous things she's saying, will then be like, Oh yes, that's 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 exactly right. An enabler, we yes. call those in uh, the biz. The the three I I don't know what to call them. Like, yeah, kind of like tech bro type yeah. guys. They're clearly like involved with money. The the guy they work for is the angel investor for this restaurant. He has an untimely demise as well. But those, yeah, those three are just money grubbers. And I but... think John Leguizamo <laughs> is the most innocent of all of them. Yeah. Because Ralph Fiennes is just upset that on one of his days off, he went to go see his movie and it wasn't good. And he's like, I wasted my whole day off going to see your bad movie, and now I'm going to kill you. And it was bad, and you deserve to die. That's he's the one that's like, I don't know if that he's just one a, holds up he's, quite as well. I mean, it's all it's all lunacy, but that one seems yeah. really weird and personal. But like, you should just be able to get over it. Like ultimately, he's just a troll. Yeah, and he, I guess he just. He wanted people to go down with him. Yeah. Um, and he he tries to recruit Anya Taylor-Joy, too, to, like, the good side versus the bad side. The servers versus the takers. Yeah. Even though he's the, a taker, yeah. he thinks he's a server, the but he's giver. a taker. It's a giver or taker. The giver or taker. Yeah. Yeah. But, like, if you were in her position, we're all going to die anyway. So why does it really matter? Even though she was not supposed to be there. She was not supposed to be there. It turns out that she is hired as um, an escort, an escort to this island for Nicholas Holt for a girlfriend in lieu of a girlfriend who broke up with him. It's Shocker! Like, <laughs> it's like Vander Wooden or something is the the girl's name because there's a nameplate, and I I wonder if there's anything to the name, but like one, yeah, Nicholas Holt, like you probably could have just come alone, like yeah, because it's revealed that he was he knew. in cahoots with this whole thing, anyways, and he just <laughs> yeah. desperately wanted to go to this restaurant, no matter what the cost would be, and the cost ends up being his life, and he knows that going in. I don't understand why he felt the need to replace her and have the t- the two people, yeah, and so they don't get into it a ton, but Ralph Fiennes must also be upset because that girl was probably on his list. Of people he, he wanted to, to take kill. out. Yeah. And it's so then he's a little frazzled by this. Um, but they have it all figured out because even at one point she gets free and finds his like CB radio and calls in what she thinks is the Coast Guard. And then the Coast Guard comes and it's really just a fake Coast Guard that is also in on yeah. the whole thing. Do you think that in an alternate universe, the Ralph Fiennes' character is actually the bear in Hulu's? <laughs> show original show the bear well it's it's interesting because the the world that he the ralph fines character lives in and how they chef here is the one that you're sort of led to not believe you know this but he went to like a super nice culinary school and worked for the best restaurant in the world at a time and there were flashbacks of those scenes Mm -hmm. to me um but it actually the funny thing is the the show The Bear is a little bit about like one, the pressure is too hard and it makes you crack if you're in those kind of culinary environments. And instead he's finding a lot more fulfillment cooking Chicagoland's best original beef. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's actually what Ralph finds yeah. wants because what breaks him to at least let Anya Taylor Joy's character go is she says she doesn't like the food and she wants to send it back 
she would just like a cheeseburger because when she's in his quarters, she sees that he still has a framed picture of him being employee of the month that cheeseburgers uh, are us. Yeah. Just a, a random cheese. You know, he's just a fry cook at that point. And he seems to have lost his way. Um, I guess you could have hoped that maybe in that moment, he doesn't just soften on Anya Taylor joy, but softens on the whole idea of killing everybody. But he was kind of a bit too far. Cause they yeah. already, one of the guys already killed himself. Nicholas Holt has hung himself at this point and they cut off the finger of the older gentleman as mm-hmm. well. So he was probably like, yeah, too far. We'll, we'll keep going. She can go. Oh yeah. He doesn't also, matter. Nobody can catch me. I'm going to be dead in, a, in yeah. an hour. He also pushed, pushed his sous chef to commit suicide. As one of the entrees. Great film. <laughs> uh, of all the food that was served, um, the cheeseburger one looked really good. Oh, yeah. Good. I was going to say, what would you eat out of out of all the stuff? Not the not the cheeseburger, because that doesn't count. That wasn't on the menu. Yeah. the um, <laughs> I wouldn't eat this, but the what was his name? Nicholas Holt's character's name, where it just says, like, blank's bullshit. Because <laughs> at one point, he tries to force him to cook it, and... Oh, really? You're just a guy who's critical of all the all the food, and you know so much about food, but you actually don't know how to cook at all. Um, and he fails, and then he then he actually embarrasses two people to the point where they kill themselves. Mm-hmm. He doesn't. They don't actively kill everybody. Some of the people he just pushes to the brink. Of the food that was served, the stupidest one was the bread, the the little dollops of bread. Yeah. That were like not bread without bread or whatever. Yeah, it was like spreads Spread. for bread, but also without. it was still supposed to be the bread. Um, no, that one didn't look good. The uh, the oyster right at the beginning, this the is before oyster, they're on the, but yeah. as the little lemon balls and everything, that looked pretty good. Yeah, I would say the oyster or the the tacos, but they yeah. weren't really tacos. Also, the uh, little chocolate hats they get for them when they turn them all into s'mores uh, that all melt up. But the the chocolate hat yeah. itself, I, I, I wanted that, especially as it started to melt. But I didn't want to be in the incinerator. <laughs> I was going to say, I, st- I think you would, I still think that you would do it if it meant you got to lick your face full of chocolate. And maybe it would protect me from the flames. The chocolate would create some sort of... <laughs> casing and i would be safe and i would make it through at the very least it w- it should be like a pompeii situation where like the ash kind of like solidifies but it's not because chocolate will just melt so melt all over your body but you'll be so sticky with all the marshmallow so jen are you a giver or a taker mm, what's the context <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know what and it's it's um if this goes back to like a lot of those like hypothetical scenarios where you know, I would love to say that I'm a giver, but there's a very real possibility that I could be a taker um, just because I am an inherently selfish person. But <laughs> the difference is I think I try to like curb my selfishness a little bit. Also, we're poor. So, um, I, yeah, I guess I'd automatically end up as a giver. I... The, I think you know what? No, I will. I will rephrase. I'll. I'll change my answer. Anybody who has worked in the service industry is a giver. If you true. know that to tip twenty percent, you are a giver. If you've been tipping eleven percent for the last <laughs> twelve years, you're a taker. If you're still somebody who says fifteen to twenty percent is is appropriate, no, it's twenty percent. 
Or somebody that like looks for minor things, be like, well, they didn't actually refill my water when I asked them to. I'm going to take a dollar off their tip. My grandfather does this to this day. It disgusts me. Every time his glass gets three quarters empty, he takes 10 cents off the tip. Jeez. And the tip starts at $10. It doesn't matter what the bill is. He's yeah. an intolerable person, and I love him. Um, yeah. Well, okay. So by your rules, then I would be a giver because I've worked in the service industry, multiple different types of jobs. Mark, you give it your all every day, nine to noon. <laughs> nine to noon. <laughs> Three hours a day, you get everything out of chops. But after that, eh. Um, okay. Well, I also think the uh, a big difference between normal people and the characters in this movie, at least for me... I think of myself as a glass half full type person. Mm. And all of those people in the movie are glass half empty. Pessimistic. Type yeah. People. I'm a pessimist. Like I said, I'm on the, I feel like I'm on the cusp, but our tax bracket just automatically puts me down to give her. <laughs> Fair enough, everybody. <laughs> yeah. Maybe we should set up a Patreon so Jen can stop saying things about how, how we're doing financially. It's It's not as bad as she's making it seem. We're doing we're doing all right. I just want to go to Europe for three months, all expenses paid. I don't. Is that under- too much to ask? Is that too much to ask? We are a dink See, family. That's, yeah, you're pessimistic in the sense that you're like, I can't pay for my three month European trip. We're poor. That's what I mean. Like we're just a couple of dinks out here. You're telling me we can't afford an all expenses three month paid trip to Europe? You're right. It seems like everybody else can. All the other dinks are doing it. Why can't we do it? All right. Third topic today. Probably won't take as long to break down, but you found this on Twitter. So I want you to lead it and uh, what we're going over here. It's going to be similar. Many of you, if you've, you know, if you listen to the sports talk world, and maybe that's where you've heard about this podcast. You can always hear me on Bishop and Friends, 9 to noon weekdays on 97.1 The Fan. Um, but it's one of those ones where it's like you get $15, draft your best basketball team. Here and you get the different positions, but it's not sports. Jen, yeah, what it, is it? It came off of it's from Reddit and it's uh with fifteen dollars, build your Game of Thrones army. So I'll just uh do the I'll, I guess I'll do it by column and then by row. Anyway. So for five dollars okay. You've no. gotta pick one of each yeah. is what we're gonna go with. Yeah. So the the rows are dragon, dragon rider, knight, leader, and army. Yes. So then in the dragon column, you've got Vagar for $5, Drogon for 4 Syrax for 3 Caraxes for 2 Sea Smoke for 1 So then in the same order for Dragon Riders, you've got Daenerys, Daemon, Rhaenyra, Rhaenys, Dakaris. For Knights, you've got The Mountain, Jon Snow, Jaime Lannister, Brienne of Tarth, and Bronn. For leaders, you've got Tywin Lannister, Rob Stark, Stannis, Tormund, and Yara Greyjoy. Then for army, you've got the Dothraki, the Unsullied, the North, the Lannister army, and then the Second Sons. It's interesting. The um, the first two ones, Dragon and Dragon Rider, there is almost no value in the $1 slot. I wouldn't say that. I wouldn't take either of those ones, even if I only had a dollar. Well, it's weird that they put... Jacarius with sea smoke and not like uh, Lanor with sea smoke since that's its rider. Or like they don't have, they don't Obviously even have like. you have more context on Jacarius too, so maybe. Which he's fine. I mean. Who's the one, that, wait, which one died then? Lanor died. 
No, at the end, the right at the end, the oh, uh, Luke, Luke Aries. okay, Luke Aries. So yeah, that's what I found a little weird, at least with the Dragon Rider, Dragon Riders lineup, because you would think that they would just have like the corresponding dragons, but anyway, I think there's a ton of value in the Lannisters being two dollars and the North being three. Yeah, I think that's uh-huh. I, like I'm. I think that's going to be my first pick. I'm going to go with. I, okay, so I was going to ask you how you want to do this. Do you want to do like draft style where we pick one and then they're off the board and then we just go down by the rows, or do you just want to say your lineup? It's hard. It, it would be hard to do the draft one because, well, I mean, I guess you could try to save money as you go down. Yeah. And should we just do like back and forth? Like you'll get first pick in the first row, I'll get first pick in the second row. Or we, or we can just do our lineups and then we can change them how we want at the end. All right. So, have you given thought to this? Have you figured out your lineup? Do you spend all fifteen dollars? Where, where do you land on it? You're the expert. I'm like, I'm really close to the fifteen. Or I'm over. So, yeah. I'm, well, you I'm, can't go over. I know. I'm spending all the money, though. I tried to save some money in the beginning, though. And I, when I get to the end is where I kind of, is kind of where I flub. Mm-hmm. So, I guess I'll just go first. So, for my dragon and dragon rider, I'm going to go Damon and Caraxes. Um, my logic behind this is, if well, Damon at $4 and Caraxes at $2. They're a bonded pair. And we've seen them do damage. Uh, Damon and Caraxes, they they do the damn thing, especially when we get more into the dance. Like they are a formidable duo. Um, so yeah, that's my four, my two dollars. So that's six dollars. Then I'm gonna go with the Unsullied at four dollars. Okay. So I'm already at ten dollars, which is not looking great for me when it comes to the night in the leader rows. But you still have five dollars for two rows. It's not terrible. It's not. It's not terrible. But I want to spend just, all five dollars on really Tywin Lannister. Yeah. Yeah. That. That's. That's where I struggle the most because I'm almost tempted to do, like a. But, oh God, this is, it's really difficult. In an ideal world, I'd probably do Stannis and Jamie. But is, again, is this Jamie with two hands? Is this Jamie with one hand? I'm assuming that. Well, you can't do Stannis and Jamie. That's $6. I know. I said in an ideal world. Um, so I guess I'd probably do <sighs> gravy and biscuits. I guess I'd probably do. <laughs> this is a really bad pairing, though. Stannis and Brienne. Ugh, because, I mean, Brienne can take on Jamie. She beat the hound hand-to-hand. Mm-hmm. But she's going to kill Stannis. So... She's not going to take very uh, good <laughs> um, orders from her leader, right. is what you're saying? And I'm going to go ahead and say, like, we get the Onion Knight with Stannis. So, like, that's a great pair. And he survives to the end. Davos Seaworth. So like Does it feel like Yara is should be the two and Tormund should be the one? Yeah. I was gonna say yeah. I would Not agree that Yara with that. has it has a ton of upside, but Tormund as a leader has almost none. Well, he's I don't know. It's a, like he's more of a brute than anything. What's well, he gonna do as the leader? It's side like of it? it's like towards the end, we at least in the show, we're like kind of assuming that he's the leader of like the free folk. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's true because they're inherently like tribal, tribal culture. So do they take orders from him or are they taking orders from Jon Snow? You know what I mean? Like, 
I don't know. But Jon Snow's in the night category. Jon Snow, though, he's not worth $4. In my opinion, you keep you keep the mountain at 5 I would have loved to see... Well, you can't really because the mountain poked his eyes out. Um, so, yeah, I'd probably move Jamie up to 4 This chart... If we're assuming two-handed Jamie, especially. Yeah, yeah. I'm... <sighs> That is the problem with these lists sometimes is you look at them and sometimes you see the deal in it, but other mm-hmm. times you go, well, it should just be flipped this way. The only reason why I probably like, you know what? You do yours. I'll, I'll say my final lineup. Final lineup, Damon Caraxes, uh, Brienne Stannis, and with the Unsullied. All right. So I'm going to, I've been thinking about this and I really just feel like there's a lot of value for me at Drogon at $4. And then I think Rhaenys is super underrated, both in the show and in, you know, just by the people around her. I think she's badass. So I'm actually picking Rhaenys as my uh, writer. So that's only $6 so far. Then I'm going to pick the North because, I mean, even in the picture, you can see their giant. Does this, do I get to count the North with their dragon or do I only get the one dragon? You only get the, you only get the one. And the North, the North, I, I don't know if you're the North, thinking it right. Are they're they not, talking, are they talking about like the Starks or are they talking yeah. about the White Walkers? Yeah, those aren't White Walkers. You sure? Yeah, they're on like. Who's the giant then? The White Walkers are the only ones who had giants. No, they get, they, they grab a giant after the battle of, um, after season mm. six. Okay, well, I'm still taking the North because they have five? giants. Battle of, battle of, dang it. It's like one of my favorite episodes. I can't even remember it. Traumatized. Mm, sorry about that. I'm still going with North. <laughs> so that puts me at four, six, nine. I don't then, know. Jon Snow does have. Okay. And I've got six left Here's to play with. Here's my other question. You're, you're right. You're thinking about it in a whole different way. I'm thinking small potatoes, right? We're thinking battles and like the war for the Iron Throne, you're mm-hmm. thinking big concept, baby. Because Jon Snow and you got the North, that means you're at least going to have some dragon glass. You know what I mean? I'm going to have some sort of Stark influence, even if I don't yeah. pick any Starks. Yeah, and you almost you almost need a Stark too. But if I have, you really want six dollars, or, or do I? Have, what did I get to? Four, six, nine. I have six dollars left. So yeah, Tywin and Bronn. I think Braun at $1 is one of the best $1 picks that there is on the entire board. Braun. Obviously, I'm biased. I love Braun. You love Braun. The good thing about Braun is your knight's not going to die. Braun. Braun makes it to the end. Braun will not die. Braun is so capable. It's stupid. But he's. Ugh, You're just anyway. jealous because I got Tywin and Drogon. Mm. I'm just gonna, I'm gonna say my list is better than yours. I don't know. That might be right. I think you're underrating Stannis as like a. I could go Stannis Jamie as well for the six dollars at the end. But I like Braun. I think I think he's the I think he's the best one dollar option up and down the board. I don't know, but my my combo. I think honestly, I think I got your ass with with Damon Caraxes and the Unsullied. The Unsullied are gonna die. They are going to fight to the death. You're not going to have any deserters. You're not going to have any runners away, which is a deserter. So I said that twice. Yeah, but you have Stannis where I have Tywin. 
Yeah, I guess so. Time, ugh, I don't know. Here's the thing about Stannis. Guy's going to get stuff done. He's going to kill his own daughter to to get that sweet shadow puss. <laughs> All right. So, so, so those are Who our, do you want to be in a in a fight with? All I know is that Tywin can only be killed by somebody who's not even on the board, so I feel pretty safe. Okay, fair. Rob- and, I mean, Tywin was going to win the Game of Thrones if he wasn't gunned down while using the the pod. I would disagree. I would disagree with that. Tywin? I would disagree with that. Well, I, w- okay. I would I guess, say, but now Tywin has a dragon. So now Tywin has a dragon, and he's on my team. If all Tywin needed was a dragon, he was going to win the Game of Thrones. Okay, but if it's if it's Tywin Damon, let's say let's say my leader does die. What then? We're left. Our backup is Damon, who basically like makes machinations the entire dance. I would need- like that's a great get. That's a leader right there. You know what I mean? I got a twofer. Well, you didn't do Tywin. I got, I, I said Damon. Yeah, but Damon and Tywin, that's $9 on its own. I think you'd be giving up too I much didn't say in the that. other spots. I, I didn't pick Damon. I picked, you know what? If I could do it all over again, if I could do it all over again, I would pick Yara because fuck Yara. And <laughs> Fuck the Greyjoy fleet, honestly, too. Even though they are so much more badass, like, they... <sighs> D&D really did them dirty. But get rid of Yara. That way, I only have to spend a dollar there. Then I could pick up, like, the mountain and still have Damon and Caraxes. Yeah, that I think there's... A, that's why I was saying I think Yara at $1 is a pretty good steal, especially when the $2 yeah. one is... Tormund, which I'd probably pick Yara over Tormund anyways. You're right. You're right. But which, uh, before we get out of here, last thing I want to ask you about this list, who is the most overvalued in the five and who is mm. the most undervalued in the ones? Overvalued in the five. Overvalued in the five. I think it's Daenerys. <sighs> you know what? I think Damon. Rhaenyra and Rhaenys are all more accomplished dragon riders than Daenerys is. I wouldn't agree with that. I think where we where Rhaenyra at the end of season one and Daenerys at the end of season eight, Daenerys is a more accomplished dragon rider. She's won like three big battles. Yeah, but there's she no has, dragons around. She doesn't have she, to worry about anybody else. She has it's, two dragons. Yeah, you know it's really easy flying a plane when there's no other planes in the sky. But still, but it's a. I don't peace- know if that's easy. I don't know how to fly a plane. But it's peacetime anyway. Even though there are more dragons in the sky, there's no war going on. That's the thing with Rainies. Rainies, Rainies doesn't really have any like hardened battle experience. Now I and Daenerys can- also only does battles. She never does a, a, a war. Like think about Damon when they're trying to take down the the crab guy or whatever. I how don't long know. that is and when, how long he goes through that. Like that kind of sure. practice and knowing that kind of stuff is invaluable. Well, okay. To, in she the, just swoops in with in her makeup the show, and hair done. In the show, they don't do real, any real occupations. But like in the books, well, I think the Occupy Marine for a sec. It takes a little while for them to get a hold of Marine. I'm sorry. Are these pictures illustrations or are they pictures from the shows? I'm just saying. <laughs> you ask me. Why are we... Okay, so who do you think is the most overvalued? I don't know. The- my gut, honestly, my gut wants to say Vagar, but like it's just like 
an atomic bomb like when she does decide to show up. So I'm going to go with the Dothraki. Even though they're really lethal in the field, you have to get them on boats. Over. <laughs> and they don't, they <laughs> they, don't like that. Yeah. They've, they've got to cross the green grass sea, and then they've got to cross the actual sea. So They like, also do kind of a bad job on the long night. Well, yeah. They just run right into a wall of death and just do it. They just go, okay. Well, did they have like 20 extra thousand snow boots for these guys? Like, <laughs> they're not equipped for this. So, yeah, they're, they're really great um, cannon fodder. The most underrated. It's hard for me to have too much of an opinion on Sea Smoke or Jakaris, um, but I, I pick Bron. I think Bron's underrated in the one dollar. Underrated in the one dollar. I don't know. My gut is to say Yara. I think, but I think you're right. I think it might be Bron. The thing about Yara though is she's the she would probably be the only one I would flip. Like I think she should be the two dollar one. And Tormund should be one. I think Bronn is a really good deal at $1, but I'm not sure I'd flip him with Brienne. You can't really trust Bronn, though, as he's too flip-floppy. And he really... And he's not flip-floppy. No, he's that's, a front-runner. No, that's... Is, a, is in, he no, flip-flops for no. front-runner. Bronn, Bronn, yeah. Bronn and the Second Sons both come with the, the adage that they are essentially like mercenaries. They're... They're uh, beholden to the highest bidder. So I don't trust that. Well, but my leader's Tywin. So boom, highest bidder right there. Yeah, but at, but the, the capital is like hemorrhaging money. Tywin would have figured it out. Just give him, give him the books. He'll figure well, it that, out. Well, that, why did you think that they wanted to get with the Tyrell so bad? Because Tywin knew that the... the gold at Castle Rock mm -hmm. is a finite resource. And it's draining they're hemorrhaging money they're hemorrhaging coins basically big old fatty fat robert was like sending the castle rock like to the yeah no 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 i no fuck tywin because they <laughs> they have to go over to fucking they have to go over to essos and they have to go get the um the loot train? I no 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 not the loot train. That's they, way later. Yeah, yeah, they have to go get the guys with the money over in Bravos. The the bank is bankrolling them. Yeah, but they do it. No, they don't. Cersei can't pay them, so they're like, you have to pay yeah, but us. Yeah, if Tywin or... was around, he would have had enough clout to get away with all the stuff because people <sighs> respect Tywin. People do respect Tywin, but and a Lannister always pays its debts. I don't and know. Tywin is one that can actually get away with still dog. saying that. Man, I don't know. It's real iffy. I think mine's better. Well, there you have it. Uh, are you a giver or a taker? Are who is your favorite dragon in the Game of Thrones pantheon? And what is your favorite killer doll, haunted doll type movie? Yeah, there's different ones out there. Yeah, but the the genre definitely exists. Uh, AI. Put AI in there too. Put AI. Killer in there AI. As well. For JLo, I'm Mark. Chops. All that stuff. Nerd Association. Thanks for listening. This whole episode was just so I could make a national treasure reference. I hope you know that. <laughs>